Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Before we get started, I want to wish everyone a Happy New Year. I think I can say with great certainty that everyone, and I mean everyone, is beyond being thrilled to finally put 2020 in the rearview mirror. So goodbye 2020, hello 2021. I am so looking forward to this year. And no better way to kick things off than to do so with a transcription Tuesday. For you new listeners, every week we explore a very specific aspect of playing jazz piano. One week we may be looking at some jazz theory concept. Another week we're tackling technique. Another week tune study. Or like we are about to do today, dissect a a transcription. And what a way to begin. Today we are going to discover, learn, and play Oscar Peterson's solo on George Gershwin's Strike Up the Band. If you are unfamiliar with this tune and or Oscar Peterson's rendition of this tune, you are in for a real treat. I want to thank everyone for all of your wonderful, heartfelt condolences last week. For those of you who do not know, my mom of 90 years of age died last week on Christmas Eve. It was a tough week. But all of the well wishes, thoughts, and prayers received from the Jazz Piano Skills community were to say the very least, overwhelming, enormously comforting, and healing. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. So let's get down to business right away. The very first thing I want to do is to take a couple of minutes right now and listen to Oscar Peterson play Strike Up the Band. This is from the 1952 album Oscar Peterson Plays George Gershwin with Ray Brown on bass and Barney Kessel on guitar. If you are a Jazz Piano Skills member, grab the transcription from your downloadable illustrations packet or your lead sheets packet. I've included, I've included the transcription in both of those packets for your convenience. Okay, so grab that because you're going to want to follow along uh, as you listen to this uh, recording and you listen to Oscar Peterson solo. So, all right. So here we go. Check this out. Thank you. 
okay, man, I don't even know what to say, right? Nothing swings harder than that rendition of Strike Up the Band. Nothing. So much to unpack here, and we only have an hour to do so. But before we jump into Discover, Learn, and Play Oscar's solo on Strike Up the Band, I want to take a second right here at the beginning of this jazz piano lesson to personally invite all new first-time listeners and old-time listeners to join Jazz Piano Skills. Go to jazzpianoskills.com, select a membership plan, click on the join link, and welcome to our Jazz Piano family. It's that easy. As a Jazz Piano Skills member, you will have instant and full access to all of the educational content, all of the resources and support. Educational content and resources that are continually growing each and every week. Here's what you can immediately access and begin using to maximize your musical growth as a Jazz Piano Skills member. Number one, all of the educational podcast packets, the illustrations packet, the lead sheets packet, and the play-alongs packet. Number two, all of the interactive courses, which make up a sequential jazz piano curriculum that utilizes a self-paced format. Number three, all of the weekly master classes you are welcome to attend. These are live one-hour online master classes with me. I host it every week on Thursday evenings. Number four, you have access to the Jazz Piano Skills private community, access to all of the skill-specific forums and course-specific forums. Plus, you have unlimited and personal and professional support 24-7. I'm available to help you anytime, answer any questions that you have, not only regarding any of the podcast episodes and the content uh, that is covered in those episodes, uh, but any of the content in the courses or any assistance that you need regarding jazz, the study of jazz and jazz piano. I say this every week because it is so vitally important and I simply cannot stress it enough. If you are indeed serious about developing the jazz piano skills needed for you to become an accomplished jazz pianist, then you should absolutely become a Jazz Piano Skills member and begin taking advantage of all of the educational content, the materials, the resources, and professional support. There are several membership plans to choose from, so you can definitely find one that's going to be a good fit for you. You can become a member for a month if you just simply want to try it out. There's also a quarterly membership plan, an annual membership plan, and yes, there is even a lifetime membership plan. All plans, regardless of which one you choose, regardless of which one is right for you, all plans grant you full access to all of the educational content, materials, resources, and professional support. So check everything out at jazzpianoskills.com. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm happy to spend time with you by phone, through SpeakPipe, email, uh, to help you determine which Jazz Piano Skills membership plan is best for you. All right, let's dive in. Transcription Tuesday. Let's dissect Oscar Peterson's amazing solo on George Gershwin's Strike Up the Band. 
So today you are going to discover Oscar Peterson's solo on George Gershwin's standard, Strike Up the Band. You're going to learn various ways to extract melodic ideas from a transcription for developing your jazz vocabulary. And you are going to play eight minor chromatic arpeggio exercises modeled after improvisational approaches used by Oscar Peterson. So regardless of where you are in your jazz journey, whether you're a beginner, an intermediate player, an advanced player, or even if you consider yourself an experienced professional, you will find this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson exploring Oscar Peterson's solo on Gershwin's Strike Up the Band to be very beneficial. To begin, all Jazz Piano Skills members, all of you members, if you haven't done so already, you need to pause this episode right now and, as always, take a few minutes and print the podcast packets, the illustration packet, the lead sheet packet. It's always important to have these in front of you, all these materials in front of you as we go through the lesson. As the old saying goes, a picture is worth a thousand words. The illustrations and the lead sheets, along with the play-alongs, all three educational podcast packets that I produce for each Jazz Piano Skills podcast episode, all of them are designed to illuminate various aspects of the essential jazz piano skills that we are about to explore. So take a second right now, pause this podcast, and print the educational podcast packets. Okay, now that you have the podcast packets in front of you, I want to walk you through them. Let's begin with the illustrations. There are four detailed illustrations in front of you that are going to help illuminate this amazing solo. Look at illustration one. Illustration one is just simply an historical recap, if you will, of this recording. And you can see on this illustration details about the recording year, the label, the producer, musicians, and other tunes included on the album. It's always a gr- always great to have a historical appreciation of any tune that you are studying and learning. And in fact, in the old days, when you would purchase an album, and I know I'm showing my age, but bear with me here, when you would purchase an album, there would always be liner notes included, right? Those were the good old days. Right there, included with the album, was information about the musicians, the lyrics. Uh, There was always a personnel list uh, and uh, other credits to people that the musicians wanted to thank. And also, um, the liner notes would also give insight details about each musical piece, each, each one. And oftentimes would place these tunes within a historical or social context. Good stuff indeed. So think of the first illustration as a throwback to the good old days and liner notes. Real quick, just look at the list of tunes on this album. Are you, are you kidding me? Look at every tune is a gem. Not just strike up the band, right? The man I love, fascinating rhythm. It ain't necessarily so. Somebody loves me. I've got a crush on you and on and on. So If this album is not part of your jazz library, be sure to add it to your collection as soon as possible. 
it is definitely on my list of jazz albums every jazz pianist should have. Immediately following this illustration, illustration one, you have a complete transcription of Oscar's solo, note for note. It's pure gold, pure gold. We'll get to that a little later. Okay, illustration two is a breakdown of the chord scale tones versus the non-chord scale tones played by Oscar Peterson in his Strike Up the Band solo. How interesting is this? Check it out. Oscar plays a total of 474 notes. Out of those 474 notes, 412 are chord scale tones. That means 62 are, are notes that fall outside of the scale. Only 62. That percentage, 87% of all the notes that Oscar Peterson plays are chord scale tones. Right? I'm saying chord slash scale tones, right? The, the notes are either chord tone or scale tone. I don't, I hope that's not confusing. So this is a big wow, right? What does this tell you? I think it's pretty obvious. You have to have a command of chord scale relationships if you truly want to develop improvisational skills. Slightly more than 10% of the notes played by Oscar Peterson during his solo are notes that fall outside of the applicable scale. Let me say that again. Approximately 10% and only 10% of the notes played by Oscar Peterson during his solo are notes that fall outside of the applicable scale. And these stats are basically the same for every solo Oscar Peterson played throughout his entire life. Bottom line? If you do not know your chord scale relationships and you cannot play the major, minor, dominant, half diminished, and diminished scales, the modes, as a lot of folks call them, then you are in trouble before you even get started. Immediately following illustration two, you have a complete transcription of Oscar's solo with all of the chord scale tones highlighted. All the chord tones, all the scale tones highlighted. To say the least, when you look at the transcription with all of the chord tones and all of the scale tones highlighted, it is jaw-dropping. We all tend to think that Oscar and all the greats are somehow using a set of fancy-schmancy notes that only they have access to. These fancy-schmancy notes are hidden away somewhere and only they have access to this vault and the secret code, the secret combination that opens it. This is simply not true. And when you extract the chord tones and the scale tones from transcriptions, like you have in your hands right now, you immediately see that the greats like Oscar Peterson, well, for, first of all, they're indeed human you immediately recognize that they too only have access to the same chords and the same scales that we do. 
So we can say with great certainty, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the mystery of what determines great jazz is not solved by determining what notes the jazz giants are playing. Not at all. The mystery is solved by revealing how they approach playing jazz rhythmically, their phrasing and articulation. I have discussed this in many of my previous podcast episodes, and we will continue to expose this jazz fact in future episodes as well. Okay, now with all of that being said, what about the 10% of notes falling outside of the chord scale relationship? Grab illustration three. This illustration highlights all of the altered notes Oscar plays over the dominant sound. Flat nine, sharp nine, sharp 11, flat five, sharp five, flat 13. Check out the second paragraph. I want you to know that altered tones typically occur on dominant chords. This is not to say that you will not experience alterations applied to other sounds, major, minor, etc. However, the majority of altered tones are associated with the dominant sound, the dominant chord. And in the case of Oscar Peterson's solo on Strike Up the Band, this is absolutely true. Again, this is a very important revelation that you must experience at some time during your jazz journey, your jazz life. Once you do experience this revelation, you can begin designing and developing exercises that help you incorporate the altered dominant sound into your jazz vocabulary. In fact, this was our focus on a previous Transcription Tuesday when we explored Red Garland's solo on another classic Gershwin standard, A Foggy Day. Today, however, we will utilize a different approach to transcription analysis to help us develop jazz improvisational vocabulary. Okay, finally, grab illustration four. This illustration is packed with a ton of goodies. To begin, there are eight melodic lines, improv- improvisational ideas that Oscar plays that are worth your attention. <laughs> well, there, there are a lot more than eight in his solo, but I am saying, what I'm saying here is that there are eight that I want to highlight and draw your attention to. And these eight ideas all are centered around the 2-5-1 progression. There are two major 2-5-1 progressions key of E flat and the key of A flat, and two minor 2-5-1 progressions, C minor, key of C minor, C of F minor. Fascinating, right? Remember our last Tune Tuesday when we studied Autumn Leaves and discovered that the entire tune is basically a swapping back and forth between a major and a minor 2-5-1, a relative minor, right? Major and a relative minor. Well, we have the same thing happening here and strike up the band as well. We have a 2-5-1 in E-flat major, a 2-5-1 in C minor. We have a 2-5-1 in A-flat major, and we have a 2-5-1 in F minor. Fascinating. Immediately following this illustration, you'll notice that I've highlighted these 2-5-1 relationships within the transcription. 
These lines that Oscar plays over each of these two five ones, the two major two five ones and the two minor two five ones, are worthy of your time and study. Play these lines as he plays them and focus on your technique, the articulation and the phrasing. In other words, imitate Oscar. Try to sound like Oscar. Should you play these lines in different keys, as so many teachers suggest that you do? You can, but not necessarily necessary and not necessarily a good use of your practice time. The reality is this, that it is very unlikely that you are going to be able to adopt these lines as is into your jazz vocabulary and then be able to drop kick them into any tune you want whenever you want. It just simply doesn't work like that. If there are some snippets from these 251 lines that resonate with you orally and physically, then I would suggest extracting those ideas and then use them as a way to begin formulating your musical thoughts, your jazz vocabulary. And it is your jazz vocabulary that you want to begin moving around to different keys. See, that is an entirely different approach. And quite honestly, a much more fruitful, a much more beneficial approach to transcription study than what is typically presented to students. Bottom line, good luck trying to adopt Oscar Peterson ideas and present them as your own. Let me know how that works out for you. Instead, check out the next illustration, the next exhibit right behind the highlighted major and minor 251s. In this illustration, I've highlighted all of Oscar Peterson's use of half-step approachments to target notes and his use of arpeggio motion when improvising. This will be our focus today. This is the approach we are going to use today to discover, learn, and play our jazz vocabulary as revealed to us through the study of Oscar Peterson's solo on Gershwin's Strike Up the Band. Wow, that was a quick run through of your illustrations packet, which, as you can tell, is packed with a ton of great information that will help you a ton as we unpack Oscar's solo on Strike Up the Band. Now, let's take a look at your lead sheets packet. There are 11 lead sheets, not including the actual transcription of Oscar's solo, included in your lead sheets packet that you have now downloaded. The first three lead sheets include the tune itself, a simple melodic outline of Strike Up the Band. It's a great tool to use to help you validate your melodic interpretation of the melody. And did you catch what I just said there? It's a way to validate your interpretation of the melody. In other words, learn the melody of the tune first by using your ears. Poke the melody out while sitting at the piano. Use your ears. The more you do this when learning a tune, the faster that entire process becomes. In other words, your ears will grow 
they'll get better. After you think you have a handle on the melody, you can check it. Check it out against the lead sheet that I've included in your packet and validate your interpretation. It's very cool. The second lead sheet in your lead sheets packet presents you with simply the chord changes of the tune. No melody, just the changes. I like using a lead sheet like this when I'm working on my voicings, both my two-handed structures and my left-hand shells. I like having just the changes in front of me and nothing else to distract me. Chords only. The third lead sheet in your lead sheets packet is a lead sheet presenting you with the harmonic function of Strike Up the Band, the harmonic DNA, if you will. And this is how you really and truly learn a tune, Roman numerals, harmonic function. In fact, this is how you develop really good ears as well. Your ears want to hear relationships. In other words, a two chord, going to a five chord, going to a one chord, etc. That means something to your ears, right? Letters do not. C to A to D to G, they're letters. Function means something, right? This is something that your ears can identify that your ears can recognize in every tune that you listen to. So study the harmonic DNA, the function, the chord function, harmonic function of the DNA of Strike Up the Band. This is time well spent and will do more for your ear development than anything else you can do. I guarantee it. Okay, the next eight lead sheets are the exercises that we are going to do today. These are the exercises that we are going to use to begin incorporating some of Oscar's half-step approaches and arpeggio motion into our jazz vocabulary. I strongly encourage you to have these lead sheets sitting on your piano and ready for action. And just like the illustrations, I want to encourage you to study your lead sheets away from the piano. I have said this a million times to students over the past 30 plus years. My best practicing, and yours too, will be done away from the instrument. This is when you can truly sort everything out conceptually and adequately and properly prepare for the physical work you're going to do once you do approach your instrument. Once you do sit at the piano. Remember, conceptual understanding drives physical development. You cannot play what you do not know. It's that simple. Study your illustrations packet. Study your lead sheets packet a ton. Study them. I want to also take a second to provide you with some insight regarding the play-alongs that you can and, of course, you should be using as well when practicing. There are 60 play-along tracks included in your play-along packet. 60. I have included a play-along for every major, dominant, minor, half-diminished, and diminished chord so that you can take what I am going to model today using the C minor sound, the C minor chord, and replicate it for any chord, for any sound that you are wanting to practice. Simply invaluable. So use these 60 play-along tracks. 
So all of you jazz piano skills members, listen up. You have access to these amazing educational resources. All three podcast packets, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs. You have access to these these podcast packets for every podcast episode every week of every month of every year. Use them, study them, practice with them. The podcast packets, the illustrations, the lead sheets, and the play-alongs will maximize your musical and jazz growth. Okay, now that we have gone through all three podcast packets and we have them in front of us, let's discover, learn, and play the Oscar Peterson solo on Strike Up the Band. There is a ton to unpack, and I know you are, more than likely, going to have many questions pop up, which of course you should. And that is precisely why I'm committed. (laughs) Sometimes you get tongue-tied doing this stuff, right? That is precisely why I am committed to providing all Jazz Piano Skills members immediate and personal support. If you are listening to this podcast through the Jazz Piano Skills website, which I hope you are, you can use the extremely convenient SpeakPipe widget, which is nestled directly beneath the podcast player, to send me a voicemail message. It's that easy. It's that simple. One click, and the two of us are interacting with each other. Send me a voice message with your questions, and I will send you one back with answers. It's a very cool technology. If you're listening on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, Pandora, or any of the other popular podcast directories, you can simply use the following URL, speakpipe.com forward slash jazz piano skills. That URL again is speakpipe.com forward slash jazz piano skills. Send me a message. If you are a scaredy cat and are afraid to send me a voicemail message, then you can post your question in the private Jazz Piano Skills forum and let the Jazz Piano Skills community help you. I'm also in there as well answering questions. So uh, use the forums. Or if you want to attend the Thursday evening masterclass, Please do so. Mark it on your calendars. Every Thursday evening, every week, join me online, 8 p.m. Central Time, using the Zoom link that is posted on the Jazz Panel Skills website and get your questions answered face-to-face, right? So many ways to get help. I provide Jazz Piano Skills members many ways to get help, so definitely take advantage of the opportunities. As you know, my entire goal is to provide you with the very best jazz piano lessons, the very best jazz piano educational materials, and the very best jazz piano support that is available anywhere today. Okay, grab the lead sheet titled C Minor Chromatic Arpeggio Exercise 1. You're going to want to have this in front of you. When studying the illustrations, especially the illustration that highlights all the chromatic and arpeggio motion used by Oscar in his solo, 
you will immediately begin seeing how we are going to design formulaic exercises that incorporate both of these elements so that we can begin developing jazz vocabulary for improvising. So with all of the exercises, not just exercise number one that you have in front of you, but all of the exercises, you will see that we are going to be very aware of the direction of our melodic idea, whether it's ascending or descending. And we are going to be very aware of our entry points, whether it be the root, the third, the fifth, the seventh. I want you to also notice that each exercise uses chromatic motion to move from one primary chord tone to the next primary chord tone before transitioning into an arpeggio. This idea of using chromaticism to move from one primary chord tone to another is taken directly from the Oscar Peterson playbook, which you can now begin to recognize in all the chromaticism used by Oscar in his Strike Up the Band solo. Having a formulaic exercise allows you to easily replicate the exercise for use with other sounds, with other chords, major, dominant, minor, half diminished, diminished. If your practicing is not structured in this way, right? I hate to break the news to you, you are not practicing correctly. Okay, exercise one. You have that in front of you, and you can see we are going to, it's just a one-measure melodic idea. The first half of the measure consists of chromatic motion. The second half of the measure, arpeggio motion. The first half of the measure, we have chromaticism moving from our root entry, from our C, moving chromatically to our next primary chord tone, which is E flat. And then the second half of the measure, straight arpeggio motion starting on the fifth, going through the seventh to the ninth, up to the eleventh. So we get this sound. Very nice. Again. That's it. Chromaticism followed by arpeggio. And that is why I call it minor chromatic arpeggio. So I'm going to bring the ensemble in, and I'm going to play this melodic idea. I'm going to play it ascending with the root entry, followed by measures of rest and assess. Right? Followed by measures of rest and assess. And what I mean by that is, after I play the melodic idea, I get a chance, I get an opportunity to, to process the good, bad, and ugly of what I just played. And then make any adjustments that I need to make, and then go right back at it again. So what you're going to hear me do is, you're going to hear me play the, the melodic idea as is, several times, followed by rest and assess, right? Then you're going to start hearing me manipulate that shape and that sound a little bit rhythmically. Here I'm starting to explore a little bit with developing some of my improvisational ideas, some of my vocabulary, right? So I start off by simply playing the melodic idea as written. Then I start to deviate a little bit from that, but remaining faithful to that shape and that sound. I'm only using those notes. I'm not using any other notes. When, so when you start to hear me improvise a little bit with the shape and sound, 
know that I'm only manipulating things rhythmically. I'm not changing. I'm not adding any additional notes or altering the notes in any way, shape, or form. Okay? So let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out, and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. Peterson-like chromatic motion followed by arpeggio motion and again focusing on what I'm doing with in terms of, of articulation and feel right the notes no mystery here right chromaticism from the root up to the third followed by the arpeggio all using simple uh, chord scale relationship right so what's what's really important is once we have the idea under our hands is how are we articulating it? How are we phrasing it? Does it sound like a jazz pianist, right? Do I sound like a jazzer? So now what I want to do is go to C minor chromatic arpeggio exercise number two. So grab that lead sheet. And as you can see there, now we've changed our entry point. Our entry point now is going to be our third. We're going to move chromatically from our third up to our fifth. And from when we launch, when we land on our fifth, we have our arpeggio again that moves from the fifth to the seventh to the ninth to the eleventh. So it's going to sound now just a little bit different because our entry point has changed. Nice. Again. Again, I'm going to play that line followed by measures of rest and assess. And then I'm going to start experimenting with that shape and that sound a little bit rhythmically. Again, I'm not adding any additional new notes or altering the notes in any way. I'm focusing on just ascending motion, one direction right now, with third, with the third being my entry point. So let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out and see what we think. Here we go.
right? So same idea, one starting with our uh, root as our entry point, the other one with our third as our entry point. Now we're going to do the exact same thing, and we're going to change our entry point now to the fifth. So I'm going to move chromatically from the fifth up to the seventh, and then I'm going to arpeggiate from the ninth through the eleventh, through the thirteenth, all the way up to the root. So now this sounds like this. Stretching that line out. Nice. Same concept. We've just changed our entry point. We're applying our chromaticism from one primary chord tone to the next primary chord tone, followed by arpeggio through the remaining chord tones. So let's bring our ensemble back in and let's check this out. Here we go. So many ideas can be developed, improvisational ideas can be discovered when practicing in this way, right? It's very formulaic, it's very structured, which I guess that's the irony of it all, right? You have a very formulaic way, a very structured way to practice creativity, right? It's fascinating. So we're going to continue on with our formulaic ways. And we're going to apply the same process to now uh, our entry point being our seventh. So we're going to start on our B flat. We're going to move chromatically up to our ninth. From our ninth, we arpeggio. We uh, apply an arpeggio motion from the ninth to the eleventh to the thirteenth and to the root again. So it's going to sound a little bit different because our entry point again has changed. So it's going to sound like this. Nice. Again. Very cool. So I'm going to bring the ensemble back in. I'm going to state that melodic idea, followed by rest uh, and assess. Again, uh, you know, assessing the good, bad, and ugly of, of my playing, make any changes I need to make, repeat the process. After I do that several times, I'm going to start to manipulate the shape um, rhythmically. Again, not adding any additional notes, not altering the notes. Simply trying to see what I can do, how creative I can be with that shape, with that sound, by simply altering it rhythmically. Okay? 
So here we go. Let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out. So what have we done so far? We've taken this idea that we've learned from Oscar of the use of chromaticism from one primary chord tone to the next primary chord tone. And then his use of arpeggio motion. We've, we've pulled those two things, those two elements together. And we've created a formulaic exercise that allows us to connect primary chord tones from the root to third, from the third to the fifth, from the fifth to the seventh chromatically, and then follow that up with an arpeggio using ascending motion only. Does that make sense? And again, we're just stealing from Oscar what we have discovered through the analysis of his transcription, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, his solo over Gershwin's Strike Up the Band. So now, what goes up must come down, right? So we've, we've focused on all ascending motion. Now we're going to repeat the process, but we're going to apply descending motion. So we're going to start with our root again. We're going to start with our C, and we're going to move chromatically down to A. Then we land on the note G, the fifth, and descend through the third, through the root, and end on the 13th. So it's going to sound like this. It's nice. You can play it down an octave if you want. Either way. So we're going to start with our root, descend down through the 6th, leading us to the 5th, and then our arpeggio starts on the 5th and descends down to the A, to the 13th. Okay, so let's bring the ensemble in. I'm going to do the exact same approach. I'm going to play the line as written there on your lead sheet, exercise number five. I'm going to play the line as written several times with rest and assess in between each time and then begin to explore changing the shape rhythmically to see what ideas I can discover. So here we go. Let's check it out.
absolutely love it. Now, you may be thinking, if you've noticed, I've placed all of these melodic ideas, I've created separate lead sheets for each one. Some of you may be asking, hey, couldn't we put all these ideas on one page? Yes, we could have. Is it smart to do it that way? No, it is not. (laughs) It's not, right? Again, you want, when you practice, you want to have a single objective that you are focusing on. You do not want to have too much data, if you will, being filtered in through your eyes. I like to isolate things. I like to zero in on things and focus on very specific things that I'm practicing. I do not want too many distractions. So that is why I've placed every one of these melodic ideas. I've uh, given them their own space, their own lead sheet. Okay, C minor chromatic arpeggio exercise number six. Grab that lead sheet. Now we start on the third of C minor, move chromatically down to the root, and uh, then we ascend, or I'm sorry, descend using arpeggio motion, A down to F, down to D, down to B flat. So we're moving from the 13th to the 11th, to the, to the 9th, to the 7th, okay? Or 6 to 4 to 2 uh, to 7, all right? So it's going to sound like this. And again, you could play it down an octave. Either way, wherever you want to start. And um, you may be asking or thinking too, you know, after I come, after I play the C, why don't I go to the B flat? I could, but I like to keep that art. Once I play my chromatic motion, I want to keep arpeggio motion. So the next chord tone that's a third away is my A. Right? So I'm keeping things consistent with this chromatic arpeggio theme that we're working off of. So let's bring the ensemble in. I'm going to play this idea several times again, followed by measures of rest and assess. And then I will start to have some fun with it rhythmically to see what creative ideas I can come up with. Again, using only the notes of the shape as written there on your lead sheet, not adding any additional notes or altering notes in any way, shape, or form. So here we go. Let's check it out. Thank you. 
So let's continue on. Grab lead sheet C minor chromatic arpeggio exercise seven. So we have entered from the root descending, entered from the third descending. So now we're going to start on our fifth. So we start, our entry point is our fifth. We move chromatically down to the third and then arpeggio motion from the third to the root to the 13th to the 11th. So it's going to sound like this. Nice. Again. Very nice. So now we're going to do the same thing. You know the routine by now, right? State the uh, melodic idea. Measures of rest and assess. Do that several times, several times, and then begin to manipulate some the, the shape rhythmically to see what we can discover. So here we go. Let's check it out. So much fun, so many ways to discover vocabulary, your vocabulary, that you can then move around to different sounds, to different chords, right? So we're using Oscar Peterson's approaches to develop formulaic exercises that will lead us to our creativity, to our melodic ideas, that we then can move around to different keys. Do you see that, that process there? Okay, so now let's grab C minor chromatic arpeggio exercise number eight. And we're going to start, our entry point now is going to be the seventh. We move chromatically down to the fifth, and then arpeggio motion from the third down to the eleventh. So it's going to sound a little bit different because our entry point, of course, is different. So we're going to get this. Nice. Again. Very nice. So same process, same drill, right? State the, state the melodic idea as written several times with rest and assess. Then start to manipulate it rhythmically to see what we can discover. So here we go. Let's check it out. Thank you. 
pretty cool stuff. So much that we could unpack and so many different ways that we can explore this solo, Oscar Peterson's solo on Strike Up the Band. You know, we could have we could have stayed with those two five one relationships that, that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. We could have looked at all the altered dominant sounds as we have done in the past. Today, what we wanted to do is look at some very specific um, approaches that Oscar Peterson utilized in developing melodic ideas in his own solo, extract those melodic, extract those approaches, and then create formulaic exercises using those elements that we could then systematically move through a sound. And now that we have that formulaic uh, that formulaic exercise in place, we can now take it from C minor to F minor to B flat minor. We can go to C major to F major to B flat major, C half diminished, and so forth, right? That's what's cool about this is once you get a formulaic exercise in place, then you can start replicating that for all the remaining shapes and sounds that we have. It's a very cool way to practice creativity. Woo, I'm tired. I hope you have found this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson, exploring Oscar Peterson's solo on George Gershwin's Strike Up the Band to be insightful and, of course, beneficial. Man, what an hour it has been. Don't forget, if you are a Jazz Piano Skills member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Piano Skills Masterclass, 8 p.m. Central Time, to discuss this podcast episode lesson exploring Oscar's Strike Up the Band solo in greater detail and to answer any questions that you may have about the study of jazz and jazz piano in general. As a Jazz Piano Skills member, be sure to check out Uh, all of the Jazz Piano Skills podcast episodes and the educational podcast packets available for each one. Also check out the Jazz Piano Skills courses that I mentioned earlier as well. You have full access to those sequential courses. The packets, the courses will absolutely maximize your musical growth. And likewise, Make sure you become an active participant in the Jazz Piano Skills Forums. Get involved and make some new jazz piano friends. As always, you can reach me by phone, 972-380-8050, extension 211, by email, drlawrence, drlawrence, at jazzpianoskills.com, or you can use the SpeakPipe widget and send me a voice message that way. Okay, and that's it for now. Happy New Year to all of you. And until next week, enjoy the journey, and most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.